Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Little Black Dress Pod. I'm your co-host, Ashley. And before we get started, I wanted to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart to the LBD tribe for listening. Please find us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, private Facebook group, and our website, which is currently under construction, littleblackdresspod.com, is being created as we speak by the amazing Studio 88. Shouts to them. We are a work in progress, but we greatly appreciate all the love and support. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, please email littleblackdresspod at gmail.com and Colin will be happy to get in touch with you. Also, we grow by your reviews. So if you don't mind, if you love what you're hearing, if you love the content that we're producing and have resonated with the stories of these incredible women, please, please, please rate us five stars on iTunes. It really does help get our podcast out there so that other women can join our LBD tribe. And as you know, we love Cocoa Floss. Yes, the amazing Cocoa Floss. I won't leave home without it. Colin doesn't either. Please use LBD Pod 21 and you can get 20% off your first order. Go to CocoaFloss.com. And um, I wanted to set the scene for what's to come because up next, you guys are going to absolutely be blown away by Dr. Stephanie Zelder's story. And make sure to continue listening because at the very end, at the last 30 minutes, she does a coaching session on me. So it's going to be amazing. I know you are going to love her. She has her own podcast, but um, yeah, this is actually my first time doing a greeting for a past guest. So over the next few weeks, over the next few months, you're going to hear just more post-production editing. And I, I certainly hope that you are enjoying the show and um, thank you for being patient with us. And thank you for, for sharing us and telling your friends, Colin and I are sending you big hugs and big sloppy wet kisses your way. And I would love to introduce the amazing Dr. Stephanie Zeller. Stephanie Zeller, DDS MS, is a prosthodontist turned wellness and executive coach. In the dental field, Stephanie has written several articles, is an international speaker, a podcast host of the podcast Dental Outliers, and created online workshops to help empower dentists through the education and use of technology in dentistry. In the last few years, Stephanie has pivoted to executive coaching and the creation of several online workshops to help people in and out of the dental field find and cultivate a deeply fulfilling, rich, abundant life that they are excited to wake up to daily. Stephanie believes that your life can be whatever you want it to be, and no matter who you are or what you're experiencing, there are always ways to increase joy, excitement, and abundance once you have the right pathway and tools. Stephanie runs several live workshops that include advanced curriculum and one-on-one -on -one coaching, including her upcoming career exploration and manifestation workshop, a six-month accelerator that will help you redesign your career into something that inspires you and fills you with joy every day. 
Listeners of our show, hey, listeners of the show can get first access to a free training about how to get unstuck in your career by signing up using this link. And we are going to post the link in the show notes and you will be notified via email as soon as the schedule goes live. Additionally, you can catch Stephanie on her podcast, Transform, and on her Instagram at Dr. Stephanie Zeller. And Stephanie is spelled with an I-E. But I am so excited. You guys are going to love it. Um, I hope that you connect with Stephanie. I hope that you find value in not just her episode, but all of the amazing episodes that we have already put out there and are going to continue to release. And um, yeah, thank you again, guys. It really does light my heart on fire releasing episodes and stories of incredibly inspiring women. So um, happy listening. I think I was going to specialize, so it didn't really matter to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then I was like, oh shit, now I actually want to specialize. So what I did to compensate for that, and it's interesting that this is coming out for me to share. Um, maybe it's going to help somebody that's listening is, is I made, I just, I'm always thinking about how can I think outside of the box? How can I do things differently? So I made a portfolio of the cases that I'd done and some pictures, as well as some just words elucidating why I had made the decisions I did with the treatment. And I sent in these packets. I mailed them in to all these schools. And then this crazy thing happened like a month later where the directors of the school started calling me personally and saying that they wanted me to come there. And I got interviews at almost every one. And then, and it was mostly because of this portfolio that I had sent in. I mean, my GPA was high, but it wasn't like I, I said, I wasn't like top of my class. So anyways, I end up choosing Baylor, go into PROS, and I study complex cases in dentistry and digital dentistry with an emphasis in digital because that was my research was in technology. And that was three really grueling years. Some aspects of it I loved, some aspects of it really hard. And then I got out and I went right to the spear practice and started working with Greg Kinzer. And started lecturing all the time, like speaking all the time, mostly because there weren't a lot of experts on technology at that time. And to be honest, a lot of the implant companies wanted a young female. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think I lost your sound, Steph. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Yes. Okay. Um, so... I started uh, speaking for these implant companies and around that time I did, I started this thing that I called the year of yes, where for a year I was going to say yes to everything that scared me. And the reason I did that was because I actually started artist way and which is like a book that takes you through, I think 14 weeks of different sort of creative endeavors. And while I was doing that, I just, it just occurred to me that something was off and that I thought I might be limiting myself. I was staying in my comfort zone and that if I opened up to new experiences, that there could be a shift or a change. And so I started doing this thing called the year of yes, which was basically 
anytime I got an opportunity, if I thought it would expand me as a person, then I had to say yes. So it's not just like a blanketed yes. If something wasn't aligned for me, then I would say no. And what happened was very quickly, within a couple of months, I started getting just a slew of opportunities, particularly to speak. And so I was doing a ton of speaking. I mean, sometimes upwards of five, traveling five times a month to speak. And this was awesome. It was super fun. I got to meet so many people. I was more active on Instagram. It was like my whole world opened up. And yeah, it was just so fun. Then about six or seven months in, I uh, Mark Costas asked me to speak at one of his events. And I started getting this intuitive inkling that what I should actually speak about was this event that happened to me in childhood. Hmm. And so it really didn't have anything to do with industry at all. And so I texted him and said, I'm feeling this intuitive push to talk about this event that happened to me in childhood. And he was pretty much like, whatever you want. So, and I didn't know why I, I felt the need, but it's interesting because my ex that knew me like, uh, that knew more of this story. I told him that I was thinking about speaking about it. And he told me that he really encouraged it because it was like this event that I was holding like a baby that I was holding close to my chest. And I just needed to be like, here, take the baby, mm-hmm. like stop clutching onto it. Mm-hmm. And looking back, the reason I think that I was, I guess, led to speak about it was because I held a lot of shame around this event. So this event was that when I was younger, I had a lot of anxiety growing up. I had a really dysregulated nervous system. I had some developmental trauma. And then I started doing drugs and drinking alcohol like at 13. And then when I was 14, I was in this really horrific car accident where my best friend was killed. We were all in a car. There was a drunk driver. And then she was killed in the car accident. And after that event, I had really severe PTSD, but I also held a lot of shame around it because for instance, I would go to church after that event. And instead of everybody at the church talking, like sort of comforting me and being like, I can't believe your best friend was just killed. Oh my God. Everyone was asking if I was drinking, if I was drinking in the car, I obviously wasn't the driver, but they were just asking if I was drinking. So there was all of this salacious gossip about the event itself in a place that was supposed to be a sanctuary for me. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it really imprinted in my brain that I should hold shame around it. And that it was a really shameful thing. And so I left high school and then I didn't tell anybody that this had happened to me. I mean, I'd probably told like five people outside past high school that this thing had happened to me in my life. And it was a huge, pivotal, obviously life-changing event that took me years to recover from. So I haven't told hardly anybody about this. And then I'm going to go and speak in front of 500 strangers on stage and tell them in detail about this event, about what had happened. Now at this time, at this point I had spoken, I don't know, maybe 30 times to really big groups. Um, So it's like speaking was becoming really comfortable for me, but Hold on, I'm going to close this door. 
but um but you know i was sharing what i felt at the time was like my most shameful event in my life so before getting up on stage it was the most scared i've ever been that i went into the bathroom and i was dry heaving like i was trying to throw up. I mean, I wasn't trying, I was just throwing up, but nothing was coming out because I couldn't eat before I spoke. I was so nervous. So I get up on stage and I share this event and two huge things happened, like really life-changing things happened really quickly, right directly after doing that, like facing that fear, getting it. You know, Brene Brown says that shame can't survive if we speak it out loud. So the first thing that happened is the shame went away around the event. And in fact, it was kind of like, it was, it's weird to even think that I had as much shame as I did around it at this point. But the second thing that happened is like, I com- I was completely fearless afterwards. And that lasted for maybe three to four months where nothing, just nothing scared me. It was just this huge, really gift And so I go back to work after this event and I remember sitting down, it was maybe a couple days after the event, it was the week after I sit down at my desk and my dream for my life up up until that point was, okay, I want to work in an awesome practice. I want to lecture maybe even at Spear and that's, that's going to give me everything I want. Like that's the dream. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden that dream just seemed like so empty to me. And I was like, okay, I wanted to work at this awesome practice check. I'm working at this awesome practice. I wanted to speak. I'm doing that. Is this all there is? Because I don't feel the way I thought I would feel when I got to this point. And so I'm just sort of sitting with that. Like, why don't I feel the way I thought I was going to feel? You hear this all the time about people. They have these huge dreams and then they get to that point where they want to make the certain amount of money or they want to get the partner or whatever it is. And then they get it. And then they're like, uh, why, why don't I feel fucking amazing? Yes. Right. So I started I was like in this space of, I don't know what's going on. And then a friend of mine, who's actually now my boyfriend just happened to, because he was thinking about this question himself. He just happened to ask me this question. He texted me one day and said, what would you be willing to give up or lose in order to something to the effect of like fully find yourself? And there was something about that question that just, it was almost as if that question connected more with the subconscious intuitive part of me than the conscious part of me. And I immediately started crying. And I actually, at the time, didn't know why I was crying. And then over the next week, I could not stop crying. And I mean, I'm not somebody who cries a ton. So it was really unusual for me to cry like four or five hours a day for a whole seven days. And I realized during that time that part of what was happening was I was grieving. Hmm. And I started getting this inkling that I needed to leave my marriage. Oh my God, I have chills. 
So, and it was really strange because, um, I mean, my marriage at the time wasn't great. There were definitely some issues, but it was just this sense of like, oh, I have to leave. And it was just a deep knowing. And if I tried to think about it with my mind, you know, it's like, that wasn't the way to approach it because I would just start overthinking. So it was just listening to my heart. And then at the same time, the, my practice situation wasn't going well. We just weren't on the same page. And so basically long story short, over the next month and a half, I left both the practice and my marriage. Oh my gosh. When was and this, Stephanie? This was in May of, I guess, 2018. Wow. I think. And so I left all of these things. Um, and then I knew that something wasn't right. Like I knew that I wasn't loving dentistry anymore, but I also didn't know what else to do. And I didn't know how to leave. And I didn't know if I should leave. I just didn't know. I had all these questions, right? So what ended up happening over the next two years, essentially, was I continued speaking for the next year quite a bit and a little bit of clinical dentistry, but I was definitely starting to taper off of clinical and doing more speaking. And during that time, I did just a ton, a ton of therapy, coaching, I received coaching and journaling and self-inquiry. And I just went really deep into what's going on, right? Like why, why did I choose this path? Was, was it wrong the whole time? Was, is it just wrong now? Why is it wrong now? What would be right? What would feel good? Why aren't I as happy as I thought that I would be? There's just, um, there were just a million questions that I had. And as I started doing the inner work myself, the work of healing myself, of understanding my own patterns, my own subconscious beliefs. And also a huge aspect of, of that was healing my nervous system and understanding the new science of the nervous system and why I was sort of in this perpetual state of chaos and anxiety and realizing that it was actually largely just my nervous system was stuck. Once I started healing all of that, I started coaching other people and it sort of happened slowly and kind of organically. But I realized that a, a strength that I've always had is people have been able to come to me and ask me questions and I've been able to essentially spot what's really happening and then give them tools to resolve the issue quickly. But then as I started accumulating more and more tools with my own healing, I became better and better and better at that. So I started coaching and then I started building online workshops because what I wanted to do was accelerate people. And I found that it would take me way longer to have all these one-on-ones rather than to have some one-on-ones, but then give them an online workshop to accelerate the entire process. And that has grown. And that is what I do full-time now, essentially. So now I have totally, I've completely transitioned out of clinical dentistry. I've also transitioned out of speaking about clinical dentistry. However, I do still speak to dentists. It's just more on health and wellness, and also a little bit on 
reading your patients and some treatment planning, um, not the clinical aspect, but just like how to communicate with patients when you're selling treatment and how to feel comfortable selling. And then I coach several dentists, but yeah, other than that, totally out of dentistry. I could unpack so many things that you just touched upon, Stephanie, like whole, the entire time, I don't even know if you can see, but I like my eyes started to well up a little bit, like just hearing your stories because you, oh my gosh. Okay. Where do I even start? Like, okay, let, I wrote some notes. Let's go back. Let's unpack this year of yes. Like, where did this idea come from? And tell us some things that you said yes to that basically helped the new Stephanie transform. Yeah. I don't know where the idea came from. It just, it literally just came into my head. And I think a lot of it was that I had a lot of fear and I just wanted to blow through the fear. And so I, I started saying, I mean, at first I was really nervous to speak in front of big groups And so that was a lot of what I was saying yes to that year. And I was nervous for a lot, almost all of them. But the interesting thing is the more things I was saying yes to, the the more I was getting used to that feeling of being in fear and going through the fear. So it became almost this sense of like, oh, I know how to do this because I've done it and I'm going to do it again. In the beginning, the yeses were really small. It was just, I'm going to say yes for self-care day. I'm going to say yes to doing something for me. I'm going to say yes to meeting this new person for coffee. And then they gradually did increase in terms of what they were. Like I took an improv class. I went zip lining, you know, hundreds of feet in the air. I did these things that would have scared the shit out of me. And well, and did scare the shit out of me, but I was just doing them anyways. And that eventually is what led me to saying yes to speaking and talking about my trauma because that was literally the most scary thing that I could have done. And the interesting thing about that, which I just want to note is, you know, a lot of times when we leap off cliffs and say yes to things, we want good to be on the other side, right? Like we're like, okay, I'm really pushing myself. So I want really good things to happen. And a lot of times those leaps are intuitive leaps. Our intuition is telling us to do something. And so we leap. And so what I was hoping at the time was that after I did that speaking event, my life would get really easy and flow. I even had this conversation with my sister afterwards. I was like, this is so fucking scary. I think after this, probably things are going to get really easy. And what happened? Actually, the opposite happened, right? Like within a month or two, I left both my job and my marriage. So the thing I want to note about though, that though, and I talk to clients about this a lot is if you're really trusting intuition and your journey that you have to trust that it's all in service of you, it's all in service of your expansion. So at the time, even though those things were really fucking hard, I kept over and over and over again surrendering to them and knowing that ultimately they were going to lead me out on the other side somewhere that like basically the obstacle was the way. And so I leaned into it, trusting 
that even though it was hard, it was going to get me somewhere else. So I say that just because I think sometimes we like to really quickly judge our experiences as good or bad. When really oftentimes it's the quote bad experiences that are going to lead us to the most joy if we just let ourselves lean in and ask, what am I being shown here? Right. I mean, leaving that job, leaving my marriage, speaking on stage, all of that shit that happened, best fucking things that happened to me. Oh my gosh. Now at the time, at the time that you were making all of these, I mean, you made complete 180 decisions in your career, in your marriage, like, and you, you touched upon it on one of the episodes that I, I listened to this week. Can you, can you describe the, um, how people reacted to that, how people were so uncomfortable with your decision to do these things? Yeah. Um, well, A lot of times the way that I, so everybody's different in the world. Like for some people, it's really authentic to share their struggles while they're going through them. And that's super authentic to them. And that is actually what they should do. And that's, what's going to create the most magnetism for them in their life. Meaning when they do that, good things are going to come to them. And then there's some people where it's actually more authentic to process it and integrate it before sharing. For me, that's where I am. Like I, it's, it's actually not super authentic for me to share things while I'm going through it. So largely what I did during that time was retracted. I stopped posting on social mm -hmm. media. I still haven't fully even picked it up because it hasn't felt the right time for me. So it was more so that I sort of dropped off, dropped off the edge of things. Like I was no longer in the, in the mix of what was happening. I would say that there were a few people like close friends that were supportive of me and that would, that were open. A lot of people got triggered mm -hmm. because, and you know, whenever we get triggered, it's triggering something in us. Mm -hmm. So my decision was triggering them and their decisions. In fact, I had a friend that when I decided to get divorced, well, I had gotten divorced and then I met with her several months later and she was extremely angry with me and told me that I was super selfish and that I should never get married again. And I told her like, I don't plan to actually get married again. So you're safe there. But <laughs> she was, she was essentially projecting her own shit onto me. Mm -hmm. And she started telling me the story about how, you know, she wanted to at some point get divorced, but she made it work and she stayed and that was the right thing. And when someone is angry with you and having a lot of charged emotions and trying to convince you that they did the right thing and you didn't, you have to wonder why are you so angry then? Like if you're, if you feel so good about your decision, mm -hmm. then you should just be, then you should feel neutral about what I'm doing. Then you should just feel resolved. Why are you feeling unresolved? Why are you projecting? And also my divorce has nothing to do with you. Like it actually doesn't affect your life at all. So whenever we get feedback, I mean, that was the first thing I was always noticing, whether it was the divorce or leaving my job or thinking about leaving dentistry as a whole, 
was that I was super aware that people were going to project what they were comfortable with, what they weren't comfortable with, what they thought I should do, what they thought I shouldn't do. So because of that, I was really cautious about sharing. And this is something that I really strongly suggest for clients of mine, if they're going through a really huge change or transition, is to be really aware of who you're sharing things with and only share things with people that are going to be in full support of your evolution and expansion. Because mm-hmm. if you've ever had somebody that says like, oh, you've changed mm-hmm. or, oh, I miss the old you, those people are not in support of your growth and expansion. And I mean, essentially, I don't think you should make space for them. So a lot of what I actually did was I, I actually kept things super private and I was really picky with who I would share things with. Now, when it came to my parents, for instance, I think they were just sort of like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. Like, what is, what is she doing? Mm-hmm. They never told me not to leave, but there was definitely some projection of their fears and I get it right. Like they're like, okay, you're going to leave this really stable kind of lucrative career and you don't know what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I, so I get it, but I had, that was a time that I was really learning how to implement a lot of boundaries. And I just essentially said, okay, I understand, but I also don't need to hear anymore. And this is my journey and that's it. So the really interesting thing though, was a lot of the sort of rejection that I felt, I think was mostly manufactured in my mind. Hmm like a fear of people aren't going to understand Mm -hmm. or the few times that I would post on Instagram, I was only getting like, you know, 5% of the engagement that I used to get. And in my mind, I could logically think about this and be like, yeah, of course, because people were really engaged when I was posting about clinical dentistry. And now I'm talking about mental health. I mean, the majority of people that follow me are probably not at all interested in that, but it's really hard when you have so closely identified with something like a career path, like dentistry, and that's your identity. And then you're literally trying to change your identity at the core. It's hard to disengage and not take everything personally. Yes. So knowing sort of the energetics of how people work, I knew that I needed to feel fully confident in myself before I really re-engaged with the world. Because otherwise, if I am always afraid of rejection, Mm -hmm. guess what I'm going to attract? Mm -hmm. I'm going to attract rejection. So I was really aware of that. And because of that, I was just very, I was doing a lot of the internal work to shift out of fearing that and really just accepting myself and not needing other people's validation or approval. Oh my gosh. I have, I have so many, I just have so much respect for you because I myself am a, I'm a people pleaser and I uh, like what boundaries, like let's, let's just, I mean, I, I have weekly sessions with my therapist about my inability to set boundaries. Um, And like, did you always, like, have you always been 
I guess my, my, where I want to take this is like, how have you been such a fucking badass? Like, you, it just seems like you, you were just so fearless and strong and you're able to really put yourself first, which I find is, is so rare, especially in women. Yeah. Um, so I definitely did not put myself first for many, many years. So, I mean, who you're seeing now is, is a result of, um, being in a lot of relationships with narcissists, with having enmeshed relationships, including in my family of completely being boundaryless, of being a caretaker, of not feeling like my needs were valid. Mm -hmm. A lot of my decision to leave the practice and leave, and it was, it was, I'll just say it was a mutual decision for me to leave the practice, but to transform my life in the way that I did was really me sort of being fucking tired mm. of at, at the time. I didn't even know what mm -hmm. I was just like, something's not right. And I'm fucking tired mm -hmm. and I have to change because I feel like I'm, I literally feel like I'm suffocating. So I didn't have, I really didn't have a sense of who I was at that time, even though I think there was a, definitely a part of me that was sort of attached to my authentic self, but I didn't understand the influences that my family had had on me, that my upbringing had on me, that past experiences had on me and how I was playing those out, how I was playing those patterns out. I had no idea really. I mean, I had worked on boundaries to a certain degree, but I, I really didn't understand boundaries, I think at that time, like three or four years ago. So it was a slow progression, right? Like, and I really believe that anyone can do this, but it was just learning and then practicing and implementing. And it was like, it was kind of a slow progression. It was slower than I think it needed to be, which is why I've created so many workshops to accelerate all of this process for people, because I had to try so many ways before I found ones that worked. And that was kind of exhausting, but that was also part of my journey. That's what the last several years has been about. It's trying so many different ways and finding the ones that work the best. And that's what all my workshops have is the best ways to do these exact things. But it does, it takes time for anybody. But I really do think if you have the right tools, it takes a lot less time. And if you have the right support, you know, from a therapist or a coach or whatever, somebody that really knows how to do it, it takes less time. So yeah, I had to find my sense of self. I had to find my sense of identity and I had to let a lot go. And I had to start learning very slowly over time how to value myself. And again, I think it's something that anyone can do, but it is a decision. Yes. Did you have to let anybody go? Um, I would say the majority of my friendships, I, I eventually had to let go of because and I see this all the time with my clients too. When you start fundamentally changing so drastically and you start implementing boundaries and you stop playing maybe the role that you were playing so much. Like for me, I was sort of the caretaker. I was, okay, yeah, give me all of your problems. I'll carry them and I'll help you. 
I'll have no boundaries. And when I started implementing boundaries and thinking about, is this relationship dynamic even? Is there an even give and take? Or is it me sort of just giving everything of myself in order to feel valued because that's the relationship dynamic I grew up with? I did start losing friendships. A lot of them, I mean, you know, and as I said, I lost my job and I lost my marriage. And I mean, I've cleared out almost everything. I, for a time, lost some of my uh, relationships with my family members. However, after I continue to evolve, our relationships have evolved. And now they're in a place, a place that for me feels so much healthier. Mm-hmm. So sometimes these things will circle back and you'll pick up relationships in a new way. And sometimes they have to be done. I, I want to... I want to circle back to um, that traumatic experience. Um, well, thank you so much for for sharing that. That uh, I can only imagine the level of oh gosh shame that you were you were carrying for all those years. Like what what did your what did your process look like to healing, uh, and how did you get? the idea, and then the courage to tell a bunch of strangers this, this baby that you were carrying? So a, a big part of who I am now and probably who I've always been is I've had a deep connection to spirituality, the universe, God, whatever you want to label it. And the way that I sort of make decisions, especially the way I make decisions now is all based on intuition. And it's largely been like that my whole life, but now it's just, that's the only way I make decisions is from intuition. The interesting thing about intuition is it rarely comes with logic. So you will just have a feeling or a whisper or a feeling in your heart that you should do something. And logically it often makes no fucking sense. Mm -hmm. So the impetus to get up on stage and tell that story was just my intuition. And I had no fucking idea why, Hmm. but it was also really heavy. Like meaning I felt so much energy in my body about it. And I just knew that's what I was supposed to do and supposed to meaning that's what my heart was telling me to do. Before I did that though, I did receive, I mean, after the actual accident, I received several years of therapy. So, you know, I, I'm definitely not saying like, hey, if you've had a trauma, you should go tell a bunch of people. That's not, that's not what I'm <laughs> suggesting. Um, <laughs> because I had had a lot, a lot of healing, like from the actual trauma itself, from the PTSD that I had before I got up on stage. If I hadn't, that probably would have triggered me. And I don't think I would have been able to do it. So I had a lot of therapy after the event, including talk therapy and biofeedback. Biofeedback was just being able to regulate my own um, heart rate. And then I started doing EMDR Mm -hmm. with a new therapist before I got up on stage and I'm a huge fan of EMDR and actually some of my, yeah, some of my workshops have a variation of that in order for people to heal from other things. Stephanie, will you take a minute and just talk to our guests, our listeners about what EMDR is? I tried to explain it, but I don't even really understand it. (laughs) Yeah, sure. So 
EMDR, let's see, um, eye movement rapid desensitization, I believe, is D or desensit. Anyways, um, <laughs> so what actually this does is you have bilateral stimulation either by holding something in both of your hands and they go right, left, right, left, which vibrate, or you move your eyes from right to left. And what this does is it helps to promote more whole brain integration with the event itself. So when we've had a traumatic event, oftentimes this is simplifying it, but Mm -hmm. oftentimes what happens is the event itself gets sort of stuck in your brain and it's not integrated with other nerves in the brain. And what happens then is when you think about that traumatic event, because it's not wholly integrated with the rest of your brain, it can trigger you every time you think about it. And it actually puts you right back in that event. It feels like you're in the event. You're having a physiological response in your body as though you're in the event. So with something like EMDR, what it does is that it has you process the event and the bilateral stimulation also disrupts the prefrontal cortex so that you're not overthinking about it. So it removes some of that inhibition and it lets you kind of get to the event. And then it allows you to fully process it, release the charged emotion that's associated with the event, and then create new neural connections so that you can, when you think about it, it no longer triggers you, mm-hmm. essentially. So I did, oh my gosh, I mean, because I didn't just do EMDR about that. I was taking, I was doing EMDR sometimes multiple times a week about so many different things. I was just, I loved EMDR, so I was doing a ton of it. So I did that with a therapist and I also was doing nervous system regulation work with some body workers. And so by the time I actually got up on stage, I was no longer triggered from a traumatic sense of it. I was just still held in the shame mm-hmm. of the event. And so by speaking about it, that's what freed me up from the shame. And you know, looking back, whenever intuition tells us to do something, we can generally look back and have clarity about why and have full clarity on that. That really opened me up. It freed me to see the truth of the life that I was living. It freed me up to have a more, a better read on what was actually happening. Because the thing is, is that if we're hiding parts of ourselves, we're hiding it from the world and from ourselves, And it can actually create like a haze and a cloud over reality, over what's really happening. And so when I removed that veil, if you will, it's really when I just, and I, and I removed a lot of my fear by doing that. It freed me up to take an honest account of what I was actually doing and if it was actually fulfilling me. Oh, I... I can just tell, I know this is our first time meeting, but you just seem like such a, a very honest, authentic human being. Like that's like what you see is what you get with Stephanie Zeller. Like that's, that is, that is the vibe that I'm, I'm getting. And I listened to, um, I listened to your episode about how you had never cheated ever in your life. And I don't know if you want to tell the story, but I was like, oh my gosh, like I, not too many people would ever do what you did. I I think you have to tell the story now. And this is how authentic Stephanie is. Like, I'm going to let her share this story. I was like, whoa. Yeah, that, that episode was, so 
the way that I record my podcast episodes now for my podcast transform is I will essentially, I just get like a rush of energy and then I'm like, oh, a podcast wants to be recorded. And so I will just turn on the mic and just really align with myself and with the universe and then just start talking. So I have no idea what is going to essentially come through. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. And so with this recent episode that was called Take the Leap, I was talking about how, you know, when our intuition tells us to do something that we need to just take the leap, even if it scares us, we go, we just move through the fear because it's always leading us to essentially more joy on the other side and greater expansion. And that when we do take the leap, we will very, very rarely, especially the more you do it, have clarity about why. And that's because our heart knows something that our mind doesn't yet see. So, and let me just repeat that. Our heart knows something that our mind Mm -hmm. doesn't yet see. Mm -hmm. So good. So while I was recording, I all of a sudden got this sort of, this, this story comes up into my mind of this time that I had cheated. And I was surprised that it came up and that I was feeling this need to share the story. And it, I still held shame around the story. And so I was scared to share it on the podcast, but Mm -hmm. also I was literally talking about how you have to follow your intuition Mm -hmm. and move through fear. So Mm -hmm. I knew I didn't really have a choice. I mean, of course I had a choice, but I made the decision to share the story. And essentially the story was I had never cheated on a test while you know, in college, then dental school and residency. And I was in a class and we had had a bunch of exams that week. And so I was really, really exhausted. We were taking an exam and I was not prepared for this particular exam. And this person next to me started looking at my answers and made it really kind of clear that they were looking at my answers. And then they sort of pushed their answers in front of me in such a way that made it clear that they wouldn't mind if I looked at their answers too. This person that was next to me was, I would say the smartest person in the room. And I knew all of their answers would be right. And in that moment, I made it, I just made a bad decision and I took some of their answers. And even as I was doing it, it felt really icky, like in my body, But I was also really scared that I was going to fail the test. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed, it was just so weird. It was just so easy to do it. Well, then afterwards, I felt really bad about it. I just felt this like bad feeling in my body. And then I got this notification that I was being called to an honor board for an investigation for cheating. And it was actually the person that was next to me that was being investigated for Mm -hmm. cheating. And my intuition at that moment was like, you have to be honest. And so in that moment, I knew that I needed to tell this honor board that I had cheated, even though I wasn't being investigated for cheating. And it was fucking crazy. And I told, Mm -hmm. I I talked to three or four people that I felt like kind of like of high moral fortitude that I thought would actually tell me to be honest. And they all told me that's, that's so stupid. Don't be honest. This is literally (laughs) the only time you've ever done it. You're never going to do it again. Mm -hmm. You're not even being investigated. Why, mm-hmm. why would you do that? Mm-hmm. You could ruin your entire future. And I knew that I could, but I just was like, I don't know. I need to be honest about this. And so I went and told the instructor that I had cheated and I was fucking terrified to do it. And then afterwards I went and told, when I went and sat in front of the honor board, I told the honor board 
And I ended up getting essentially no repercussions. And because I think, you know, if you can imagine this, I'm sitting in front of all of these people at this honor board and I'm shaking and I'm beat red and I can see my heart being out of my chest. And I was reading this statement about how I cheated there. I was being so vulnerable and authentic in that moment that I think that's what ended up moving everyone. And instead of sort of this judgment on me, they were like, wow, this person's being real in this moment. And also just as, as an aside, it could have totally been privilege as well too, that I wasn't actually, uh, there were no repercussions for me, but at the end of the day, like I, I really learned, well, first of all, I was free of that. I was free of doing that. And then I learned that it's always better to be honest. I mean, in every situation. And then it, the funny thing was then I ended up sharing that on the podcast and I was scared to share it on the podcast, but I did it anyways. I love that. Oh gosh. Can you believe that it's already been like, how it's, it's almost been an hour since we started recording already, but I don't think that this, I, God, I have so many things still. And I know that we, you wanted to do something with me, right? <laughs> um, where, so I, I, um, after I had reached out to Stephanie about like asking her to be a guest on the show and, and then you messaged back and you said that like, I kind of want to do like some kind of coaching on you. And, and I think that that's where we should go next. And then I, I would absolutely be honored if you could come back on and I just, I just need more Stephanie in my life. And I feel like the listeners, ladies, I mean, gosh, all of the points, I'm going to get teary eyed talking about you because this is Stephanie Zeller. So if you don't know who Stephanie Zeller is, she's like, I want, you're a badass doctor. You're, you're like to leave, to leave this profession that only a tiny, tiny percentage of people could achieve the level of prestige and just accomplishment that you achieve. Like we're, we're all trying to be up there with Kinzer Spear. Like that's, you were there, you were working at the practice, you were doing digital dentistry, you were talking about it, you were lecturing on behalf of all of these companies and to just, to know that that wasn't what was feeding your soul and to also have that, that, that awakening that, you know what, maybe my marriage isn't feeding my soul either. Like, and, and to give, like, I, I read all the books that have the F word in it <laughs> to, to really, to be able to put yourself first, to, to be able to pursue, pursue that pursue self-love and discovery regardless of what others may think, regardless of what our, what others' expectations for our lives should be. Like, it's just so awe-inspiring. And, and that's why, like, I, I was so, like, excited and nervous to chat with you because I think, I think if you're listening on your drive to work right now, like, so many women are 
are feeling stuck, whether or not they want to admit that to themselves, whether or not they are taking the next leap and and seeking therapy or coaching. Like we all have those, the inner dialogue thinking like I've achieved this, I graduated this, I, I graduated and now I'm a practice owner or now I'm a mom and, and, you know, reality versus expectations. Like what would you tell to the woman right now, just who's listening to her, to your story and can maybe identify with, with your journey? Yeah. Thank you for all of that, by the way, that was beautiful. I would say to you who's listening, you are special. You are just as special as Spear and Kinzer. You are just as special as me. You are just as special as Ashley. Literally any, whoever you're looking up to and trying to be, you are just as special as them. So, you know, one of my biggest learnings over these last few years has been to actually stop in a way looking up to people because what I learned was that the key to feeling like lit the fuck up about your life and loving every single thing that you're doing and fucking loving your life, loving your work, handling obstacles and unexpected situations with ease, because that is where I'm at right now, is by becoming more of you, identifying what you love what your special gifts are because you have them leaning into them and letting them shine through. Like that is the key. The key is to be more of you. You're already fucking awesome. So I think the first step to getting out of feeling stuck is, you know, admitting that you feel stuck first of all, and then asking for help whether it be from somebody you know that has gotten unstuck in the way that you're trying to get unstuck, looking up other people's journeys of how people have gotten unstuck that are in that were in your situation, coach, therapist, you can reach out to me. But essentially asking for assistance and then taking just the first the first small step. But keeping in mind the whole time that like you have the keys, you are what you're looking for ultimately. And it's, I mean, so much of what I do with people is just help them be more of themselves and find the super fucking unique, authentic gifts that they already have, but maybe they're just not aware of them or they're just not letting them shine through completely. I mean, that is the key. If you, if you look at these people in the world that are like, it's like they have this tremendous magnetism to them. And they're just electric. Those people are living in their authenticity, meaning they're letting all these different parts of them shine through. They know what their gifts are and they're using them. So I guess if I was going to say anything, that's what it would be. Oh. Okay. I, I feel like that was a mic drop and we should just end. <laughs> that was so good. So, so good. And I know that um, you have you have a workshop coming up. Do you want to tell tell them what what's happening? Sure. So I have just completed 
a year-long workshop with five really badass women. And the title of this workshop is Career Exploration and Manifestation. And essentially what I did in this workshop is, you know, when I was going through this journey of trying to figure out what I wanted in my career, it was so lonely. Hmm. Like it was so unbelievably lonely. I didn't know anyone that was trying to make a real deep change in their career. I didn't know how to do it. It was so hard. And I tried so many different things. And then what I essentially ended up doing was because it was so hard for me, I wanted it to be easy for other people. So I built a guided 12-month workshop that helps you to, number one, identify your most authentic gifts. Number two, identify where your career isn't working. And number three, identify how to move or how to change it, shift, up-level it, do whatever you need to, to make it something that feels really good to you. And when I say really good to you, what I mean is being able to reach flow states, meaning that you're so engaged and so loving what you're doing that you completely lose track of time. And that you feel excited about it daily. Like I wake up every day and I am so fucking excited to do what I do. Mm -hmm. I lose myself in flow states every single day. And that is the dream that I knew deep down I could achieve, but it just, for me, wasn't in dentistry. But right now in this, in this workshop, I have a couple of dentists in it and then a couple of people that aren't dentists. And one of the dentists decided to leave dentistry and the other one has just massively up-leveled her career and has blossomed and has so much more confidence and is, it's just fucking rad to see. So there's essentially it's for anybody that is feeling a little bit stuck or it's just kind of like, yeah, this isn't what I thought it would be. I'm not, I'm not happy. Like I thought I would be, or like I want to be. So if you want to up level, or if you actually are thinking about maybe making a transition at some point out of dentistry, this is also a great workshop. Hmm. So I don't know when the next enrollment is going to be probably in the next month or two, but essentially if anybody's interested in that program, the other amazing aspect of it is that you have a group of people that you're doing it with mm -hmm. so that it's not lonely because it really was for me. And I didn't want that for anybody else. So good. Do you have, um, do you have time to do what uh, you for sure. message? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because this is what I'm actually really terrified about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, to give some backstory, see, I lied. I said we were going to end. We're not fucking ending yet. <laughs> um, so Stephanie, um, she had messaged me that she, I, well, one, I can already tell that you have such good emotional intelligence and you can just like read people. And, and she messaged me that... Um, she wanted to do, what was it called, Stephanie? Like you wanted to do almost like a, a coach. I just offered to do a little live. Yeah. If yes. You wanted it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is, this is on air. This is not scripted. I have no idea what Stephanie is going to ask <laughs> me, but I said, I am so game for this. Um, but yeah, so you guys, um, for those who are still listening and didn't stop recording, now you're in for a treat. So, um, all right, Stephanie, I'll let you take it away. Well, so what, I mean, when we first started talking, 
you were saying that you're trying to make this big decision. Do you want to talk about that? Okay, fuck. Yeah. Let's just, <laughs> just fucking talk about it. Okay. Because here's the thing is like, usually <laughs> when I start coaching with people, there's something that will just come yes. up. It's almost like it just comes yes. up through them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna fucking talk about it. Okay. So, um, I, and, and I can talk about this because honestly, because this is going to be released in a few weeks anyways. And by then I, I would have made a, a decision. So I have a, and I apologize if you are on my team and you have not heard this news yet because it's been a secret, but I have been, um, I started, I started Smile Co. I started our, my own office in 2017 and we've outgrown this space. And now we have two other amazing doctors, female doctors. We have a big growing team. And I came across this other building um, that would essentially be a much bigger space. It would be essentially a second startup or another child. So I have three children already. Smiling Co. is like my number four. And then to do a startup, and it would it would be a startup because this location is not close. I mean, it's about 30 minutes away from where we currently practice. And yesterday, um, yesterday I drove to the location like I needed to just take a step away from the office. And I, I almost, I just, I wanted to look at this building to see if this is what's next. Like, and I, I get so like emotional about it. I don't know why. Like, I, I feel like I love dentistry, but am I in love with dentistry? And then I love I love patience. And then, you know, like you'll just have a shit week where everything goes wrong. And, and I love that you, you spoke about this on one of your episodes, how you're a prosthodontist and you guys are like, if, if most of us are perfectionists, prosthodontists are like next level, like (laughs) quarter of a millimeter, like, and do I, do I now like smiling company is is doing really, really well. We're doing really well. Do I open up another location? Do I invest millions more into this? Take out all this, all these loans. Do I do this again? Do I have less time with my kids because this is my dream? Like, is this really my dream of, of making Smile & Co. even bigger? Or do I just, like the whole the whole, where am I going to stop? Like, when is enough enough? When is like, you set a goal for yourself, like, and it's, it's never even been about income for me. Like it's in fact, like everything just gets put back into the practice for more technology, all this stuff. Like it's, it's never about that, but it is about always chasing that next big thing. And that's where I'm struggling with. Like, do I do I make the next leap? Because now my attorney has been emailing back and forth. Like, are you going to sign the purchase agreement? And then I've been emailing back and forth with um, the banks. Like, what are you going to do? Like, are we moving forward? Are we going to fund you? So 
like on, on some days I fucking love it. I love everything about it. And, and then on other days I'm like, fuck, I just, I just want a microphone and I want to talk to people like all day long. So that's where, that's where I'm currently at. So when you think about growing and expanding, why would you do, why would you grow and expand? Not yourself, the, the business, the business. Well, so we have outgrown our facility and, um, and now we've, we've just, I honestly, I feel like because our team is so big now, so we have, there's like 14 of us in 1900 square feet. And uh, I mean, not everybody is there all at the same time, but at some point, like we have six operatories, it just feels very constricted. And I know that we're limiting our potential because we just can't get the patients in because we just don't have the parking or the chair space. But then in my head, I'm thinking, well, why don't we just cut down on insurances? And, um, and like, do we invest more money and then accept more insurances? And then we're still not doing the dentistry or, or being paid the wage that we feel we deserve for the amount of training that we have and the technology. And so I just, every day is my husband, my husband gets really frustrated with me because every day it's like, well, what do you want? Like at the end of the day, what do you want? And I can't honestly, I can't even give him like a real answer because every day what I want seems to change. Mm-hmm. It, does that make sense? Yeah. So um, different people make decisions differently. So some people have like a gut instinct and they just have a, this knowing and it's literally like guttural, like, oh, this is a, this is a fuck yes, or this is a no. Mm-hmm. Then other people have more of kind of an emotional way of making decisions where the best thing to actually do is to let the decision sort of pass through you and to see all of the ups and the downs, all of the different sides of the dice of why you should or shouldn't do it. And then what happens over time is one answer starts to slowly rise to the surface. Mm -hmm. And it's for those people that make decisions in that way with their emotions, it never necessarily feels like a a hundred percent because you can still see the other sides of the dice in your head. Mm -hmm. So it feels maybe sometimes more like a 70% or an 80%. And it's actually really helpful to know, okay, well, this is just how I make decisions. And for me, it's not going to feel like a hundred percent and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way that I am. That's just the way that I'm built. So whereas like your husband, for instance, he may be more of like a gut instinct Mm -hmm. kind of person that has more clarity more quickly. Yes. So I'm sort of like the gut instinct type. My boyfriend is the emotional type. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of understanding when he needs more time to make the decision. So first of all, I would just say not being pressured into making a decision is really important for you Mm -hmm. and allowing yourself to really evaluate all sides of the dice and be like, okay, this would be the advantage. This is the disadvantage. So you're, you're already sort of doing the right thing by making by taking time and not rushing into mm-hmm. the decision. Um, I'm always interested in the way that people will present 
the story. Like we'll present the, the problem. And when you're presenting it, there's, there's clearly a lot of hesitancy and there's some focus on what the drawback would be. Mm-hmm. When you think about doing this podcast, how clear are you that this podcast is like, uh, oh, fuck, yes, I love this? A thousand percent. Yeah, right. So there's these different zones of uh, that people operate in. There's the zone of incompetence. There's a zone of competence. There's the zone of excellence. And then there's the zone of genius. So incompetence is like things that we're kind of shitty at. Competence is like, yeah, we're good at them, but we could pass them off. Excellence is things that we really excel at but we don't love, like they don't light us up Mm -hmm. and we don't really get, we don't very often get in flow states with them and they're not super consistent. And then zone of genius is like things that we are particularly well-equipped to do things that we are super good at that. We fucking love that we get in flow states with all the time. So a lot of people when I coach people, when I do career coaching, what I find is that a lot of what people are doing is in their zone of competence and zone of excellence, and they aren't a lot in their zone of genius. Hmm. And so the goal to living like a really lit up, amazing, joyful life is to move as much as you can of what you're doing into the zone of genius and start removing or delegating or decreasing things that aren't in your zone of genius. So to me, because you love doing this podcast and you're good at it, you're really good at it. That feels like it's a more of a zone of genius thing. If you had to label the dentistry or the business aspect of that, what would you say? Do you feel like that's zone of excellence or zone of genius, or maybe some parts of it are zone of genius, but not all of it? Um. I would label it in the excellence and then my, my ability to, or not even ability. I just, I don't love every aspect of being a business owner. So I would put that in the, in in the lower, lower end. Um, But that's why I hire amazing people. Um, But overall I would, I would label it in the excellence zone. Yeah. So hiring other people like that, that's one way, like if you want to move forward with something and you want it to be more in the zone of genius, you can think about, well, what would I love about this? What would really light me up about it? And can I offshore, like delegate all the other aspects of it so that it is in my zone of genius and it would feel really, really good for me to move forward. Or is this just such a decision that no matter sort of what I do, it's it's not really going to land Mm -hmm. in my zone of genius. It's going to land more in like excellence or competence. And then if that's the case, and I'm trying to build a sort of extraordinary lit up life full of joy, is that the right move for me to make if I'm moving in that direction? I love that. So I think what that does is it gives just some kind of like some, context or structure, like a framework to think about it, because it's possible you could sort of break it down and, and say, well, you know, something that I see that I've worked with a lot of dentists on is if, if they're in this period of, 
I love it, but I don't love it every day. I only love it like maybe a day or two a week. And then the rest I'm feeling exhausted and overwhelmed. Like I'm carrying too much. A lot of times is what I'll say to them is like, well, let's figure out how to decrease what you don't like. Mm -hmm. And sometimes a lot of times that's the hours that you're working. Like maybe you, you only do clinical dentistry a day or two a week. Mm -hmm. And then dropping back on all of these things that you're not loving and just restructuring your career to get it into a place where you are loving it. And then maybe on those days off, you can do other things, explore other passions, do more of this, Mm -hmm. something like that. A lot of times the reason people are stuck is because they're, they can't see another way. Mm -hmm. Like they're in a position and they think I'm stuck. I mean, literally (laughs) that's why you're stuck. It's not because you are stuck. It's because you think you're stuck. There's always, always another way to think about it or restructure things. So I would say there's like a couple different ways you could think about this. I mean, you could drill down and say, well, why, why am I specifically tired mm-hmm. during the week? What, what am I, and this is what I really help people do like in coaching is like, what are you doing when you get tired? What are you doing leading up to it? Are you, what days are you actually excited to go into work? What are you doing on those days? What days are you dreading it? Mm -hmm. And then starting to really streamline, okay, how can I shift things Mm -hmm. to where I really love it? With this decision, I feel like your mind, this is just what I'm sort of intuitively getting. and, And you can tell me if this resonates. I feel like your heart may be saying one thing and your mind's kind of saying something different. Does that feel right? Yes. Like there's this logical side that's saying, well, we've outgrown our space Mm -hmm. and businesses should always grow. Mm -hmm. And I know I could be successful. I know that I could make money. I know that I could expand and Mm -hmm. that's fucking cool. Mm -hmm. but then it feels to me like, and this doesn't mean it's a no, but it maybe just means re-examine, but it feels to me like there's something here more in the heart that's saying, but for some reason I'm, I'm feeling like maybe it's not aligned. Like maybe it's not the right move. Like maybe it might just the idea of it is kind of exhausting me. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, like, I always say with intuition, like the heart knows before the the head does. So it's, it doesn't mean that there's not another way to, Mm -hmm. if you were to say no to this deal, it doesn't mean that there's not another way to restructure and create more space or another way of looking at it entirely. Like maybe you do acquire it, but then maybe that's all you do. And maybe you step back and somebody else sets up the whole thing. I don't know. My mind is like, blown by everything that you're like saying the other thing is you know whenever i'm faced with a really big decision like this and i'm i'm like it feels like you're gridlocked Mm -hmm. a little bit and there's this like inner tension that's just like boiling i try and just say okay this is happening for a reason this is here to teach me something to show me something to help me grow Mm -hmm. i know the answer is going to come at exactly the right time I'm just going to fucking surrender to this. I'm going to let go. 
I'm going to trust my heart. I'm going to trust that the universe is going to show me exactly what to do. And I'm just going to let go. And sometimes when we stop the resisting of the tension, it kind of eases the mind and the heart has a little bit more room. We're definitely going to need to do this again. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it's funny because sometimes I'll have these like coaching sessions with people and at the end, it's almost like they're just like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) sort of slack jawed, like, oh, Um, and so of course, you know, this was what, like 15 minutes. That's why a lot of my sessions are an hour, but, (laughs) but um But if what I hope to have done a little bit is to sort of broke your mind open to more possibility. Right. And that, and that if, well, if this doesn't happen, because here's the other cool thing is like, sometimes we're presenting with these opportunities and, and that is actually more than just the opportunity. It's Mm -hmm. an opportunity to claim who we are and what we actually want to God, to the universe. And so if we say yes to something that's not really aligned for us, then we're going to experience that. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, mm-hmm. right? Like, because that's going to teach us too. So there's no good and bad here. There's no, like, I wouldn't actually even say there's a right or wrong decision because no matter what, it's going to teach you, it's going to help you evolve. But if you're at a place where, say, you realize, oh, that actually, this isn't aligned. This may have been aligned for me a year ago. It may have been aligned for me two years ago, but today it doesn't feel aligned. Something feels a little bit off about it. So I'm going to trust and I'm going to say no. And what that's doing is it's sort of signaling to the universe. I want something that's more lit up than this. Like I want something that feels more like a hell yes. Mm. That I know I'm going to be excited about. If I'm being honest, I feel like I'm in love with, the process. I'm in love with the excitement of creating something from scratch and, and the challenge of it and whether or not it's going to succeed like our first one did. That's what I'm in love with. That's, that's the genius part that really like sparks joy and fire in me. Like can, like, Am I, am I a one trick pony? Like, did I capture lightning in a bottle and can I do it again? I think it's proving to myself that yes, you can fucking do this again. And you weren't just, it it didn't just happen the first time because you got lucky. Yeah. Well, there's two things I have to say about that. One is like, I, there's a part of you deep down that knows that it was you, that, that you don't actually need to prove that to yourself. You already know that you could do it again if you want to, but two, that's an amazing distinction that you just made that what you actually love is the creating from scratch, from building from the ground up. I mean, as artists do. Mm -hmm. that's what you love so then the question would be okay this is what fucking lights me up is building something from scratch maybe all the learning all the toiling that goes into it seeing if Mm -hmm. it'll succeed playing around with that 
So is this the thing you want to build then? That's the mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Is it this? Is this particular project going to light you up? Or is it more so that you just love the process? Mm-hmm. But maybe there's something that feels more aligned for you that if you wait, will come. I don't know. I'm definitely not saying it's one way or the other. It could very well be this project. And maybe just the reframe of you understanding why you're doing it would be helpful. I don't know. Oh, gosh. I'm sure everybody listening is like, oh, my gosh, how can we get in touch with Stephanie Zeller? How can how can people find you, Steph? Yeah, so you can, um, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Stephanie Zeller, or you can also email me at Stephanie K, just the letter K, Zeller at gmail.com. Oh my gosh. I am so going to have you back on the show because there's, gosh, there's so many things that um, I love about you that I'm inspired by you and just, you're just so authentic and, and so beautifully you. I love that so much. Like, and I aspire to have that kind of clarity and the freaking balls just to put yourself first. It's it's incredible. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know it's, it was a longer episode. Um, I hope you guys found value. I know you found value from this conversation. Please reach out um, to me and Stephanie, and we'd love to hear from you. And thank you again, Stephanie, for your time this morning. I really am. I'm, I really am inspired by you. And uh, I appreciate you. Thank you for being on. Yeah. I just want to say, though, really quick, that I was inspired by you yesterday when I watched your Instagram stories and just mm-hmm. how real you are with sharing Thank you. How you're feeling in the moment. So that takes balls too. Okay. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it was, it was my honor and privilege. And um, I can't wait to do this again. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you again for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll catch you next week. Bye. If we say yes to something that's not really aligned for us, then we're going to experience that. And mm-hmm. that's fine, mm-hmm. right? Like, because that's going to teach us too. So there's no good and bad here. There's no like, I wouldn't actually even say there's a right or wrong decision because no matter what, it's going to teach you, it's going to help you evolve. But if you're at a place where say you realize, oh, that actually this isn't aligned. This may have been aligned for me a year ago. It may have been aligned for me two years ago, but today it doesn't feel aligned. Something feels a little bit off about it. So I'm going to trust and I'm going to say no. And what that's doing is it's sort of signaling to the universe. I want something that's more lit up than this. Like I want something that feels more like a hell yes. Mm. That I know I'm going to be excited about. If I'm being honest, I feel like I'm in love with the process. I'm in love with the excitement of creating something from scratch and and the challenge of it and whether or not it's going to succeed like our first one did. That's what I'm in love with. That's that's the genius part that really like sparks joy and fire in me. Like can like 
am I, am I a one trick pony? Like, did I capture lightning in a bottle and can I do it again? I think it's proving to myself that yes, you can fucking do this again. And you weren't just, it it didn't just happen the first time because you got lucky. Yeah. Well, there's two things I have to say about that. One is like, I, there's a part of you deep down that knows that it was you that, that you don't actually need to prove that to yourself. You already know that you could do it again if you want to, but two, that's an amazing distinction that you just made that what you actually love is the creating from scratch, from building from the ground up. I mean, as artists do. Mm-hmm. that's what you love. So then the question would be, okay, this is what fucking lights me up is building something from scratch. Maybe all the learning, all the toiling that goes into it, seeing if mm-hmm. it'll succeed, playing around with that. So is this the thing you want to build then? That's the mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Is it this, is this particular project going to light you up? Or is it more so that you just love the process, mm-hmm. but maybe there's something that feels more aligned for you that if you wait, will come. I don't know. I'm definitely not saying it's one way or the other. It could very well be this project. And maybe just the reframe of you understanding why you're doing it would be helpful. I don't know. Oh, gosh. I'm sure everybody listening is like, oh, my gosh, how can we get in touch with Stephanie Zeller? How can how can people find you, Steph? Yeah. So you can, um, you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Stephanie Zeller, or you can also email me at Stephanie K, just the letter K Zeller at gmail.com. Oh my gosh. I am so going to have you back on the show because there's, gosh, there's so many things that, um, I love about you that I'm inspired by you and just, you're just so authentic and, and so beautifully you. I love that so much. Like, and I aspire to have that kind of clarity and the freaking balls just to put yourself first. It's it's incredible. Thank Thank you so much for joining us today. I know it's, it was a longer episode. Um, I hope you guys found value. I know you found value from this conversation. Please reach out um, to me and Stephanie, and we'd love to hear from you. And thank you again, Stephanie, for your time this morning. I really am. I'm, I really am inspired by you. And uh, I appreciate you. Thank you for being on. Yeah. I just want to say, though, really quick, that I was inspired by you yesterday when I watched your Instagram stories and just mm-hmm. how real you are with sharing Thank you. How you're feeling in the moment. So that takes balls too. Okay. So thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it was, it was my honor and privilege. And um, I can't wait to do this again. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you again for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll catch you next week. Bye.